The following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Geeks, and welcome to a very special episode of Wizards, the podcast guide to comics. You know, we've done a lot of great episodes, we've done some good episodes, but this might be a bad episode. A very, very bad episode. Yes, because we are talking about the Wizard Bad Girls special from May 1996. This is a trend that everybody is well aware of if you were reading 90s comics. Started, you know, around 1993 and carried through toward the end of the decade till people finally said, we've had enough. <laughs> we see what you're doing. Uh, the good stuff maybe has faded away in favor of the cheesy stuff. So uh, we're going to get into that tonight, but I have a special guest joining me on this. You know, I could have brought any number of comic reading men in to give their opinion and their recollections of 90s comics. Now, to be fair, most of the guys I've talked to on the podcast have said, I didn't pick up bad girl comics. I was not into Bad Girl Comics. And in fact, the guys who bought Bad Girl Comics, I don't think want to come on a podcast and talk about it. And that being the case then, with me here is my darling wife. Yes, it is Dr. Kristen. Dr. Kristen, welcome to Wizards, the podcast guide to comics. What are your thoughts? <sighs> <laughs> Well, I would say I'm pleased to be here in the crap cave, but I have about a million other things that I'd rather be doing. But I'm here, excited to talk about bad girls in comics. Oh, bad girls. Why do you call it the crap cave? Well, it's just it's very overwhelming to me. Um, the amount of memorabilia and VHS tapes stacked to the ceiling, including posters on the ceiling, um, leads me feeling very claustrophobic. A little nervous and a little itchy, to be quite honest, <laughs> to be around so many old things. Yeah. So, and I think our listeners are very curious just to know, you know, Michael on a regular basis has to deal with my ridiculous purchases and it just uh, tried to understand why How does this... he have to deal with it. He doesn't live with you. <laughs> he is just, he is appalled that you're the one foot the bill a lot of the time. So that is a true statement. So what, so what is your thought uh, as you see what I have adored the crowd? cave with well i can see why you don't tell me what you spend your money on <laughs> that is our agreement just for those of you who are curious as long as it stays in the office there's no questions asked it's just that's what's here and that's how you know that's fine as long as she's out of sight out of mind that's why she's probably been here a total of five times since we've moved that she has deigned to come down to wizards hq as we call it not the crap cave exactly. although that might be the new moniker that everybody uh, refers to it on social media but we're not here to talk about me a good guy we're here to talk about bad girls but first we want to talk about a very good girl we got to find out what she knows about comic books so please dr kristen tell us your origin story
I am not a super big fan of comic books, but I do love an occasional Archie, you know, Betty and Veronica, that sort of thing. I did read growing up. I enjoy comic strips um, that appear, you know, in your local newspaper, that sort of thing. Garfield, Pickles, you know, <laughs> that um, clean classic type of comic book humor. I just am not a fan in general of maybe it's more the comic art. Adam and I have been discussing this, but I don't appreciate the objectification, especially of women's bodies that is so common in this style of art. Now, let me ask you this. What do you think, though? This is the often uh, the conversation is turned back around to, well, the men are objectified, too, because they're just like super beefy and burly and they barely wear any clothes. They have tight clothes, so they're practically naked. Well, and that's an excellent point, because if you think about male, and this is from me, who does not read comic books, I know nothing. I understand that. However, as far as the male superheroes go, there seems to be a wide variety of acceptable man shapes. You know, you have the Hulk, who's just giant, he's green, he's not attractive, but he's strong. And then you have like Mr. Fantastic, who's all like spaghetti armed and whatnot. And then you have, you know, kind of ordinary looking guys like Ant-Man. So there's a wide variety. And I think um, even thinking about the movie that we just watched, The Eternals, which... I liked. Adam did not like. He can, you know, discuss that later. But you look at all the men in that movie. There was only one, you know, like, ooh, he's attractive. And the other guy was, you know, yes, he was smart, not attractive. He was creepy, not attractive, you know, for Drew. But all of the women, gorgeous. And you think about, okay, when in Hollywood or in comics, just anywhere, you want a man, great. Ugly man, great. We'll hire an ugly actor. You know, ugly being relative. We want women actors. We want them all gorgeous. We want them beautiful. You want an ugly, quote, woman? You put glasses on her. Really? Come on. And why, why is that particularly uh, something you would be noticing, dear? Well, I am an optometrist. I <laughs> help with people's eyes. I don't do a lot of the glasses these days. I'm more medically based. But come on. Gorgeous people put a pair of glasses on them and all of a sudden they're not attractive? What the crap, Hollywood? So in the newest real popular Disney movie, Encanto, I think people were surprised they finally have Disney princesses that are not necessarily... Traditional beauties. Traditional beauties, yeah. Or you proportions. Have, you have Louisa, who is, you know, very strong, athletic, and beefy, bigger than a lot of the men in the movie. And young people responded to that, especially girls. Those are the toys that are selling out. They have lots of Isabellas, but there's no Louisas to be found. I know, because I tried. Well, to be fair, our daughter likes Isabella the she most. I'm trying pretty, to inc- pretty princess. I'm but. trying to encourage her <laughs> in other directions. Yeah. Because she does not get that view from media. And it makes me angry. <laughs> so, so yeah. So, I mean, y- your point is well taken. It is definitely the reason why comic books have been a male-dominated hobby for well, so long. but it doesn't have to be that way. I mean, look at the cover that you're, is in front of you right now. You have a couple of naked girls, pretty much, with little tiny fabric straps to cover their nipples. And, I don't know, some kind of weird twisting thong thing. And you think, first of all, your bosoms are going to fall out of that. I speak as someone who knows, okay? But there is no way that you could fight crime 
without everything toppling out. But it's a but great converse- distraction <laughs> used on those simple-minded criminals, dear. Certainly that so is... So a woman's only superpower is to be sexy? No, that's one way to do it. But for example, Batman's costume, they say what has been said is he's got this big yellow oval on his chest. Isn't that stupid? It is stupid. Why does he wear it? It's as a distraction and it draws the attention, the aim of the bad guys with their guns because in certain stories he's wearing like bulletproof armor underneath uh-huh. so they'll shoot at that and they're not paying attention to all the other stuff he's trying to do to disarm them and so so on and so forth again so our boobs are a distraction they can be <laughs> but dear let's get into this here because your stance totally makes sense and to be honest i was embarrassed to be looking at these things in the pages of this magazine back in the day that wasn't why i was buying wizard i was buying wizard for the comedy i was buying wizard for the comic book history and speaking of which i mean it should be mentioned that this style of art didn't just appear in the 90s so back when comics first came into being in the 30s and the 40s you know when it was really becoming a medium there were all sorts of basically cheesecake comics is what they called it which is you know there's these women that are like super peppy and happy and cute it wasn't like dirty and naughty but they were there like yeah dressed you know but they had curves and they were dressed you know in in thongs in, not usually and bikinis not back then no but, but the equivalent of it for the 30s and 40s you know like you Short had skirts you had, and... yeah you had a character like named the phantom lady who basically had you know this same style of outfit but it was more of like a a flowy type of material but essentially it was the same design and it was the 30s and the 40s you know so that kind of stuff w- did exist but then it kind of like mostly faded away for quite a few years until like yeah it kind of cropped up again started appearing in the 80s and then the 90s was then for some reason it happened now in the opening to this there is a an interview with brian polito who was the creator of this character lady death and his explanation was that when he created this character and he had his artist Stephen Hughes draw the character. With skulls on her thong? Very tasteful. We'll be reading about her shortly, but he said that as soon as that comic came out, he was at a comic convention. The weekend it came out, within 48 hours, it went from selling at cover price to selling at $9 because all of a sudden people were liking it. Then they started getting tons of letters from men and especially women in their office saying, we love this character because yes, she is drawn to be attractive, but she is written to be a character that really takes charge. She is on a journey. She is not like anybody's, you know, she's not being kicked around, you know, like she is somebody who has been wronged and she's gonna fight for the right and do what she needs to do. It was literally the devil. So she was taking on the devil. She's fighting the devil in hell, trying to get out because she had to sell her soul to survive. There's all this stuff going on. So an interesting character. Right. And the same with this other character here, she, who is this warrior who's half Asian she's half Anglo and so she her whole thing was that she uh, was trained by her grandfather to carry on this assassin you know warrior legacy and so she was able to carry that on and had to avenge a certain thing but she was pulled because she was also Christian and she was taught not to kill and so like there's all this like the two sides of her are fighting against one another so so there were uh, these exceptions of stories where there were characters that had a unique backstory. I don't know that the backstory has anything to do with how they're drawn in this case. It seems like with such a backstory, her outfit would cover her booty. (laughs) Uh, Lady Death wears a cape. 
Oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so uh, as you can see here, as we open up to the front page, though. Oh, my goodness. So what do you, would describe this ad for a Lady Death comic here. Dear. So she's got a skeleton hand bra-like thing with the fingers reaching up to cup her breasts. So do you think that's an, uh, an artistic statement, though? It's very creative in the, in the uh, design idea, at least. If it was in an art gallery and somebody would just, no, you wouldn't have gone for that. Um... Yeah. So as we get ready to go through these pages here, you're going to learn something about these bad girls. You know, we, we're going to talk about the way they looked, but mm-hmm. we're going to see if there is anything that can justify the design. Is it ever okay to be sexy and have a good story or is it unnecessary? Wherever we fall on that. But it should be said that there were two covers for the Wizard Bad Girl special. The first was, as described earlier here, featuring She, Lady Death, and Vampirella, okay, and they're all posed very much actually like the Gen 13 cover for Wizard number 44, where it's like a model shoot, you know, they're, so they're actually like posing for this. And it actually says here it was by Michael Bear, uh, who actually met in one of my very first comic book signings I ever went to, so I didn't know that he was the artist for this. The other cover was a photo cover of... Pamela Anderson. As Barb Wire, which was the big movie that was coming out at this time. She started out as a Dark Horse comics character, and all of a sudden, was the mask was a huge hit, so they could get all these movies made. They said, we want to make Barb Wire. And there's an interview with Pamela Anderson in here where she says, I was excited to see a woman getting an action movie role. My hope is that it will not just be an action bomb. And unfortunately, it was. For those of you who are watching the Pam and Tommy series on Hulu right now. That's all about this exact era in the 90s when she had just just eloped in Cancun with Tommy Lee, uh, Motley Crue, who you've seen live, dear. What did you think about Motley Crue? They're terrible. They were terrible. And so <laughs> we actually walked out on Motley Crue when they were sharing a bill with Kiss. We just stood outside and came back because she could not handle it at the time. Well, and so, it wasn't that their music was so terrible. It was just they were so foul in between songs. And there were all these like kids wandering around because they were there to see Kiss with their parents, maybe grandparents. And yeah. So anyway, the, all of that that was going on at this time and she's being interviewed about being in barbed wire, hoping it's going to be a hit. Unfortunately, in addition to this private sex tape that came out was all over the internet and among other bad press and things she was getting with Tommy Lee, it was just a rough time for Pamela Anderson. But barbed wire, the comics are actually really cool. I recommend you read those. So speaking of Brian Polito and Stephen Hughes, there is a tutorial like Wizard like to offer each issue. This is how to draw bad girls. So they were focusing, you know, first tell you about, you know, head shape and eye shape and how do you do the lips and how do you make them generally attractive, although they do mention up front that there were uh, many different shapes and sizes for men and women. They said you have to master all body types. You should feature all body types. But we know this is what everybody is thinking of when they are imagining uh-huh. how to draw the body of a bad girl. That is pretty ridiculous. <laughs> I just want to mention for a moment the proportions Yes. that are, you know, very Barbie doll-ish. You know, the type where she should be bent over and walk on all fours because her bosoms are so big in this artwork. Well, they are super heroines, many of them. They have super strength, so maybe then super back strength. They, to hold up their giant bosoms. <laughs> 
There is a casting call here that we will deal with uh, in a different segment, but also a day of the life of the Vampirella model, who had recently been replaced because the original model, Kathy Christian, went on to become Evangeline over at Maximum Press. But this is basically just showing her how she had to work out to stay in shape, showing her on the job at conventions. Many of you have actually said that you met the Vampirella model at conventions, very popular for pictures. Obviously, Vampirella was basically the original bad girl deer in the 70s. There was a black and white comic book magazine that featured the adventures of Vampirella. And it, uh, well, it's just nice she has a white collar. It's so classy. Tickle. <laughs> With her unitard. Unikini? What do, what do you call that thing? Uh, yeah, that is a good point. I don't know what the official uh, explanation is. So I'm just going to interrupt here and say, this really feels like I've walked in after not doing my homework. <laughs> well, that is why we each have a copy of the issue. Oh, I didn't. Okay. I suppose. <laughs> so I could be perusing. I need you here. to turn to page 31, dear, where we will begin the bad girls' profiles says here, Lady Death, she, Vampirella. You've probably heard of these and other prominent bad girls, but turn the page and you'll meet more than 70 others, some of which you'll recognize, many of which you won't. There's probably a reason for that. (laughs) Well, let's find out. So on the first two pages here of the profiles, we have on one side Angela, on the other side Evangeline. Recently, we did a review of both of their miniseries because they are heaven-based bad girls that are angels, that are warrior angels. But let's read a little bit about that here, dear. So why don't you tell us about Uh, Angela? No alias. First appearance, Spawn number number nine. While possessing the powers of an angel, Angela also carries a mystical staff that allows her to teleport into other dimensions and times, along with other abilities known only to angels. That's very mystical. (laughs) Serious. Born and raised in heaven, Angela is a 100,000-year-old angel hunter and soldier. Interesting that there's no comma there. So she's an angel hunter, or was that a poor... No, angel hunter. She's an angel who hunts, and she's also a soldier. She hunts spawn, hell spawn. Well, then there should be a comma. (laughs) Angel, hunter, and soldier, specializing in exterminating hell spawn and fighting against... Malbolgia. Yes, very clear. Um, After being wrongly charged with hunting without a permit... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, I'm hunting without a permit. That's great. And high treason against good. She formed an uneasy alliance with the current Hellspawn and subsequently cleared her name. Upon proving her innocence, Angela decided not to return to Elysium. Elysium. Home of the angels and currently roams the cosmos as a freelance angel. So there you go. You, you want to have that freelance angel? She's on her own doing the bounty hunter thing. What do you think of the costume, though, dear? Well, I just impractical is the first thing that comes to mind. In what way? Well, I mean, she's clearly wearing some sort of thong-ish item, but there's a long skirt-like thing coming down in front. It's a long loincloth. Okay. And then this metal brassiere that doesn't fit well. And then that giant headdress and all of the the stuff on her arms. I just can't think that that would be conducive to moving, let alone. Yeah, so I will tell you this. So originally, she existed in the Spawn Comics universe, just one of the most popular independent comics ever by Todd McFarlane. And she was co-created, if you will, by a guy named Neil Gaiman. Neil Gaiman wrote Stardust, 
which you a movie you like, enjoy. I do like Stardust. And so he sued Todd McFarlane and he said, no, no, I created her. Like, I have the rights. You can't just do everything with her. And it was a big legal battle. He won the rights and then he sold them to Marvel Comics. So now Angela is a Marvel Comics character, could show up in the MCU someday. We might see Angela. I bet Angela. she'll be wearing more clothes then. <laughs> Most likely. All right, let me tell you a little bit about Evangeline, though. Her alias alter ego, she is also unknown. First appearance, Evangeline number one, powers and abilities, the full extent of Evangeline's powers remains unknown. That is because she only had three issues of a series that told us nothing. <laughs> it was so lame. Uh, Origin, an angel who was once a preeminent member of God's war host, Evangeline was sent to Earth as punishment for her sins. What's her deal? Once she arrived on Earth, Evangeline found others like herself, angels who had fallen from God's grace, living in Manhattan. However, these angels had joined with the Dark One and roamed the Earth as powerful demons, plaguing humanity and Evangeline with their evil schemes. Evangeline has found allies in her never-ending battle against the minions of the Dark One, including the Amazon goddess Glory. As more demons attempt to bring the Netherworld to Earth, Evangeline will be there to thwart their plans. What do you think of that sword? A broad sword. Maybe her muscles should be a little bit bigger if she's going to wield that. Uh, that was my thoughts exactly. <laughs> but um, at least her costume is more practical. Although I'm really interested about this putting lapels and collars <laughs> on things that don't seem to actually hold anything. Are they attached to her pants? I mean, and by pants, I mean underwear-like it does covering. seem to be, yeah, like that's all but one But it's part. not attached to her bra, which I'm not sure how that's going to hold up. It just feels like she'd tip right out of that. Mm-hmm. And so, coming up next here is a character named Ballistic. All right. Tell us a little bit about Ballistic. Alias Cassandra Lane. First appearance, Cyberforce 1. Powers and abilities. A cybernetically enhanced mutant with super athletic abilities. Ballistic has incredible hand-eye coordination and allows her to hit over 90 99% of the targets she aims at. I'm just going to leave that preposition at the end of the <laughs> sentence alone. Outfitted with a cybernetic arm, tracking system, and brain box by Cyberdata, Cassandra quickly became one of the criminal organization's top operatives. While trying to enlist her sister, Velocity, Cassandra met up with Cyberforce, who eventually persuaded her to defect from Cyberdata. Ballistic has recently gone through an ordeal that has forced her to reevaluate her life and values. Currently a free agent, she's working to salvage relationships with her sister, Velocity, and the very special man in her life, Morgan Stryker of Cyberforce. What do you think about those motivations, dear? Look, she's a very complicated character. Um, yeah. And all these female heroines are going out on their own. They're free agents, you know? We got a free-roaming bounty hunter angel. We got a mutant free agent. But what do you think of this design compared to what you've seen so far? I like it a lot better. It, it's, it feels very 80s to me. Look at all those buckles on her over knee-high boots and the leather jacket. I mean, I think you see people dressed like that, like actual humans. <laughs> and so she's got a crop top, but those are back in style, so I hear. Ah, all right. Well, next up here is Barb Wire. So this is what Pamela Anderson was attempting to convey on screen for us. Her alias alter ego is Barb Kopetsky. Her first appearance was Comics Greatest World Barb Wire, July 1993. Her powers and abilities, formidable hand-to-hand -hand combat skills coupled with an expert's mastery of firearms. Origin, part-time bounty hunter, part-time nightclub owner, 
Barb Kopetsky has always defended her turf in the grim war zone of Steel Harbor, a place that produces only two sorts of people, tough ones or dead ones. Oh boy. What's her deal? Barb Wire frequently gets drawn into life-threatening close-quarter urban combat situations, partly because of money and partly because of her conscience. For a price, she'll right any wrong. She doesn't mind being called a mercenary, but you've taken your life into your hands if she hears you call her babe. Don't call me babe. That was mm. the catchphrase. So, what do you like about about barbed wire here what do i like <laughs> well i mean once again something in costume design that i feel is very 80s now that being said i'm not an 80s expert you have to talk to adam for that but the very interesting sunglasses she's wearing are nice i mean wearing pants yeah she's got but they're like tights they look like you know some aerobics pants almost which once again is now a common fashion everybody wears those that's true but she's a business owner, dear. Of a bar? Yeah. Is, is that where all, all bad girls work or at bars? <laughs> not quite, not quite. Most of them are kind of here and there and everywhere. Speaking of which, uh, we have a very interesting and classic bad girl here who got an upgraded design in the 90s by an artist named Jim Ballant. What do you think, first of all, before you tell us about her, of this Catwoman design? What is going on with her boobs? <laughs> that was the question everybody was asking. Uh, and actually, we just had former inker and touch-up artist at DC Comics, Charlie LaGreca Velasco, on The Wizard Files, and he let us know that he actually had to reduce the size of her breasts on a regular basis. (laughs) They would come in so large... And he would have to erase the original art, and or they'd have to touch it up and do the inks and uh, make them just a little reduction surgery. And he, they called themselves the Nip and Tuck Squad. So, but that was definitely oh, her boy. defining feature of that era. Got a lot of attention. But find out more about her as you read about this infamous Catwoman. Alias Selena Kyle. First appearance, Batman number one. Really, she's been with Batman since the beginning. Yeah. I did not know that. Powers and abilities. Catwoman is an excellent athlete and superb at hand-to-hand combat. She's also incredibly agile, has an extraordinary sense of balance, and a world-class cat burglar. Origin. A gifted gymnast from birth. Now, judging by the size of her bosom, she must not have gotten those until much later. (laughs) Um, Selena was orphaned to alcohol after the bottle claimed both her parents. She identified with her mother's cats, admiring their freedom, independence, and agility. Raised in an orphanage, Selena honed her burglary skills by robbing from the crooked headmistress. She escaped the tough streets of Gotham and was inspired by the activities of Batman. Donning a costume, Catwoman was born. What's her deal? Catwoman is a jet-setting thief, always following her own morals and rules, more often than not being followed by authorities herself. Just so you know, though, she did eventually settle down. Batman and Catwoman are married now in the comics, and they have a child. They have a daughter. So, there you go. And actually, that had already taken place years before on an alternate Earth called Earth 2. And their daughter grew up to be this character called the Huntress, who is a favorite of Michael, my co-host on Wizards. So, he loves the Huntress. I don't think she's going to show up here. We'll find out. She's not generally considered a bad girl, but we'll see. (laughs) Now, next up here is Cybernary. Cybernary appeared in these backup stories in some Wildstorm comics. Let's read about her here. A combination of Katrina. Katrina, a mercenary for hire, and Yamiko Gamora, daughter of Kaizen Gamora. First appearance, Deathblow number one. 
one. Powers and abilities state-of-the-art cybernetic parts give Cybernary unmatched strength and speed, while her hunter-killer programming makes her an unstoppable warrior. Origin? Cybernary was born in the outlaw nation of Gamora. Her father, the top cyborg scientist Vandalia, blended the psyches of Katrina and Yamiko together to make the perfect nymphodroid bodyguard. A gift for Kaizen Gamora. Yes. Nymphodroid. A, a sex bot, dear. Yeah. Uh-huh. Vandalia underestimated Cybernary's independent spirit, and she quickly overpowered him, escaping into Kimura's underground. What's her deal? Possessing a warrior's spirit in a body built for pleasure, Cybernary has shown herself to be more than a match for Gamora's top mercenaries. However, the secrets locked in her mind may prove to be far more challenging than anything she has yet faced. Now, you mentioned Angela's headdress earlier, dear. What do you yeah. think about Cybernary? I don't know how she holds her head up, to be honest, but I mean, if she's a, a robot... I guess yeah. that makes sense. She has giant ram horns that curl back behind her head. Yeah, those are longer than her torso, so that would unbalance for sure. What do you think about the size of her thighs? Are you saying girls with big thighs are unattractive? No, I'm saying <laughs> proportionate to her body. It's kind of odd. Um, well, her bosoms are proportionate to her body this time. How about that? So it's a miracle. <laughs> So we already talked about one member of Cyberforce, and now we have another one on the next page, and that is Cyblade. What can you tell us about Cyblade? Mm, straddling that dragon. <laughs> Alias Dominique Thibault, because she's French. Thibault? I, probably. Mm. First appearance, Cyberforce 1. Powers. Abilities. The mutant ability to generate blades of electromagnetic energy from her fingers, along with years of martial arts training. Born into European royalty. Ah, don't we all wish that? So she's a warrior princess. Dominique was sought out by the criminal organization Cyberdata, turning her into a special hazardous operations cyborg named Cyblade. Cyberdata implanted her with a brain box, erasing her free will. Eventually, she realized the truth about Cyberdata and had her brain box removed and joined forces with Striker and Heatwave to form Cyberforce. Once an independent agent, Cyblade is back with Cyberforce, working to rid the world of the threat Cyberdata presents. With Cyberforce as her only family, Cyblade is slowly learning to trust others again. Her life will not be complete, however, until she and the other members of Cyberforce completely destroy Cyberdata. Dun, dun, dun. What do you think of this design of her outfit? Um, I mean, her body is covered up, which I think is nice. Tightness notwithstanding. Yeah. Now she was wearing glasses. Now that would be something that excited me. <laughs> she probably had LASIK, everybody. Nope. PRK. Safer in such dangerous Well, I've always thought this next character maybe had some trauma to her eye because one eye is always covered by her hair in every picture. Oh, could be. She could have a thysical eye, guys. Oh. And she might have a cool eye patch underneath there. We'll never know. You never know. But uh, this is Dawn. This is a character that I have never read about. Her comics were always on the top shelf in the comic book store, which meant not for the kiddies, dear. So I don't know what was going on with Dawn, but Kevin Hellions, you tell me all about it someday. All right. Alias or alter ego, Gloria Isis, Mary, goddess of birth and rebirth. Uh, she's got a lot of roles. First appearance, Cry for Dawn. Powers and abilities, unlimited. Origin, always has been, always 
will be. <laughs> What's her deal? As a being who can travel to heaven and hell and all points in between, Dawn dances into and out of the lives of both mortals and gods alike. The dark and mysterious redhead normally acts as a catalyst in human affairs, or an impartial observer or messenger in the affairs of God and Lucifer. Recently, she has traveled to hell at the request of God to retrieve Lucifer's halo, a task which proves to be very easy. <laughs> What the future holds for the goddess, who is so intimately involved in the affairs of man, remains to be seen. A task that was so easy. So much heaven and hell. Did you expect that much theology in these bad girl comics, dear? Well, I'm going to use my quote fingers here. Theology. (laughs) Yeah. But I will say this about her character design, is that she's proportioned very similar to an actual woman. It's just a shame that they think that they should put her in always that lingerie. costume. Yeah. yeah. And not just lingerie, but this is like bondage style with the chains and and this this can't be comfortable. And you know she's got a thong up her her backside as well. I just <laughs> All right. Well, this next character, uh, would it surprise you to know that she was once played by Jennifer Garner uh, in a movie, both in the Daredevil film and her solo film? I did watch Elektra. You saw, I I haven't even seen Elektra. Did you like it? Like you liked Eternals? I wouldn't say I liked it like that, but it's a movie that Jennifer Garner was so embarrassed about. She told her husband not to watch it (laughs) because she felt like it was just so demeaning and so bad. Wow. So... You might have to fact check that. But I'm pretty sure that is what I heard. Read it in an issue of People magazine? Possibly. (laughs) All right. Well, tell us all about Elektra. Let's see how well it matches up to your memory of the film. Well, this costume design is much better than what she wore in the film, which was like this little red leather weird. Like, it was just strange. Elektra. Daredevil 168 was her first appearance. Powers and Abilities. An Olympic-class gymnast, Elektra is an expert in the discipline of ninjutsu and various other martial arts. Her favorite weapon is the three-pronged dagger known as the Sai. You got it. Like Raphael. Like Raphael. The things that I know about ninja stuff I learned from Ninja Turtles. Okay. <laughs> Origin. Born into luxury, Elektra was also born with a spirit that could not be restrained. Trained as an assassin by the secret oriental organization known only as the hand. Electra has served many masters in her life, but at heart always remains true only to herself. A recurring character in Matt Murdock's Daredevil life, Electra has clashed with Daredevil on many occasions. For a time, she was the assassin of the Kingpin, which didn't sit well with Bullseye, his former assassin. In a ferocious battle, Bullseye killed Electra, and she died in Matt's arms. Her death, though, may not be as final as it appears, as she has recently been cited in the Marvel Universe. (sighs) Yes. So, Elektra is very much a favorite character, mostly because uh, she was created, written, drawn by a guy named Frank Miller, who kind of did the definitive Daredevil stories, and she was a big part of that. There was a whole Daredevil series on Netflix, and she was a big part of, I believe, the second season, if I remember right, uh, where she came into play there. So, yeah. So, Elektra, very popular and uh, very revered. So, a lot of people... What in the... (laughs) Yeah. That's Evangeline's model that she's based on. Why is it just a picture of her boobs? Like, I don't know. Well, I don't b- because this. these are folded over, so when you take them all out, then it's a full poster for each character. They're double sided posters. I, I guess I just don't understand how this is. Yeah. Working. She's having a nip slip right now. <laughs> 
<laughs> Lady Death gets the centerfold. Oh my goodness. Alright, so next So up, were people putting these on their walls? Why be, are they You better the, believe it. Oh my goodness! A bunch of horny teenage guys and college guys had these all over their walls, these posters. Because they were not bringing home any girls? They may have been the actual reason people were buying these issues. Yes, think? And actually, they, uh, they started releasing poster mania specials, where Wizard would just take, like, the original art, much of it featuring bad girls, uh-huh. and then you would just buy a whole huge magazine of posters. So, but coming up next here is another character who's really pretty cool. Uh, I did uh, talk about her comics on a recent episode, and that was Ghost, also from Dark Horse Comics in the same universe as Barbed Wire. So, Ghost, her alter ego is Eliza Cameron. First appearance, Comics Greatest World, Arcadia, Week 3, Ghost. Powers and abilities. Ghost abilities include intangibility, invisibility, flight, and interdimensional phasing, allowing her to travel to other planes of existence. Now, I will tell you this. She has a weakness they don't mention here, and it is the same color as Superman's weakness. Anything made of jade. She can't pass through. She gets trapped in in jade. jade. That's that's interesting. But her origin, reborn through death, ghost emerged from this trauma with no memories, floating in the women's restroom at an uptown club naked as a baby. She slowly learned about her previous life as Eliza and the remarkable powers at her command. Since coming into the world as a dead tabula rasa, a clean slate, Ghost has made it her life's work to find her killer and to bring them to justice while trying to discover the truth about her obscure and mortal past. She has a keen sense of justice since her very origin is the result of a profound injustice. Her willingness to use her sometimes lethal powers to enforce that sense of justice certainly qualifies her to join the ranks of the bad girls. So I'm just going to comment here, who does this writing? The Wizard Magazine staff, dear. Hey, Hey, staff. Did any of you uh, take some grammar? I'm gonna. I'm probably gonna offend you all. Well, most of them but were it's journa- so bad, you guys. They were journalism majors, but this is a bad girl special, bad grammar special. Bad there you grammar go. special. It's okay. It's okay. They're not in it. For Incorrect the words. use of punctuation. I'm probably the only one who has ever read the words in these magazines. That's that's most likely. <laughs> Now for uh, character costume design, I think that's fabulous. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. It's yeah. it's very like you know 1930s, very Art Deco. Like her whole world is really awesome. It's like the yeah. female version of the Shadow, yeah, which is cool. why I like her a lot. <laughs> He's looking at me because I just turned the page and there is a naked booty just right there. <laughs> I don't even think she has. A, I think it's just naked. No, that's a thong. There's just I'm not I'm not well versed. Uh huh. Yep. Well, I'm just gonna say I hope she doesn't sit on anything ever. That'd be so gross. Glory, alias Gloriana Demeter, but a blonde Greek, or is her hair silver? It's why yeah, silvery white. As a native of the island of Paradise in Greece. Well, basically, ancient Greece. Mm. Glory is gifted with heightened strength and agility, along with immortality and flight. So is she Wonder Woman? A hundred percent. She is just Wonder Woman created by another company. Oh, okay. Origin, born on the legendary Isle of Paradise before recorded history. Glory has fought to preserve the sanctity of Earth's precarious ecological balance since time... Immemorial. Immemorial. Is that a real word? It sure is, dear. Gosh, Adam knows a lot more words than me, guys. (laughs) 
It just looks ridiculous to me. Burdened with a tragic family past, Glory has struggled against her father, Lord Silverfall, commas used correctly in that case, and his minions for thousands of years. Recently, Glory has become a symbol of hope for many because of her protective care of the earth and its inhabitants. Beautiful, resilient, and answering to no man, <laughs> the immortal heroine has only met one man that she has truly loved, the mighty Supreme. Also a white-haired character. I'm like, who's the mighty Supreme? Supreme is basically the Superman of that same universe. He's oh. a ripoff of Superman. Oh, I see. This is all created by Rob Liefeld, dear. Oh, well. You have heard the stories of Rob Liefeld. I have. But yes, so just Wonder Woman. But how about the length of those legs? Well, disproportionate, of course. I mean, from her, her tibia and fibula are longer than her femur which is like way longer than her spine so yeah i mean it's proportionately horrible it's just his weird style yeah and also you know you have to take into account that you know she is not necessarily human so i guess you know you don't have to hold her to human proportionate standards which is good because so one other thing that always bothers me about well basically all of these bad girls almost all of them have their hair down and I just don't know how you can get anything done with your hair down. <laughs> I got to put mine in a ponytail. And I work at a doctor office. So. Well, next up here, another it. white-haired character. We have Grandma Ben. Yes, Grandma Ben from Bone Comics. Her alter ego is Rose Harvestar. Her first appearance was Bone Number 3. Her abilities, Grandma Ben has the strength of 10 elephants origin as of yet unrevealed what's her deal grandma ben has a rich history and a colorful past every year during the spring fair grandma ben races against the swiftest cows that the valley has to offer the great cow race is considered the spring fair's main event and grandma ben has won the race for more years than anyone can remember besides racing cows she also fought the rat creatures back in the big war and is considered the defender of the valley grandma ben's tough exterior hides a very deep love and affection for her granddaughter thorn and thorn's companion phone bone now that seems like a comic that i would read i think you would 100 percent love bone because i didn't (laughs) (laughs) so it tells me it would be right up because it's definitely it's a fantasy world it's very like lord of the rings but yeah but don't you what do you think about the representation of having an older woman that they do not mock in any way in their bad girl special well i don't understand what makes her bad she's bad to the bone baby she's tough you can't mess with Grandma Ben, so okay. she's bad news if you mess with her. Okay. Well, that's just fabulous. I like that representation. But uh, let's get your opinion on the next character. I already turned the page, so I'd be prepared. I, I don't even have any words. Would it surprise you to know that this character appeared on the world's first nude variant cover comic that was the selling point of the comic we're going to draw a naked woman on the front of this cover it will be covered in a black poly bag so you can't see it on the shelf but you can special order it then take it home and you'll have a naked comic cover that was the special special offer yeah that's pretty ridiculous yeah but this character is called helena Alias Sandra Jesse Lords. First appearance, Purg. I, I believe four. they said it's pronounced Purge, but they spelled it incorrectly. <laughs> Not wizard. Like the people who made the comic <laughs> said, no, it's pronounced Purge. Then spell it Purge, guys. Okay. Not Purg. Purg. Yes. Uh, powers and abilities. Along with the ability to physically detect and track evil, Helena also possesses a telekinetic dagger and a whip. And a whip. 
<laughs> well, she's very dominatrix, so yeah. apparently that, that works. Origin, abducted by a satanic cult known as the Seventh Day, Sandra Lords became one of Lucifer's most feared soldiers of death. In a massive battle, Helena <laughs> was cleansed of her evil by the supernatural vigilante Purg. No, he's purging. Purge. He purged her of the supernatural evil. Purge. Oh, guys, it's purge. <laughs> now, Helena concentrates on stopping Lucifer from destroying the lives of the innocent. Oh, so now she's a good girl. Since Helena was cleansed by purge, she has become the seventh, seventh day's greatest enemy. Helena recently destroyed a large army of seventh day soldiers, which set Lucifer's army back tremendously. Searching for a new crusade while the seventh day regroups, Helena has vowed to become defender of her home, Chicago. <laughs> so she hangs out with Batman in her spare time? Well, Batman was only filmed in Chicago, the Christopher Nolan films. Gotham, oh, that's right. people say, is actually New Jersey, officially. They, they lie. Yeah. I've but, been to Chicago. Uh, Helena here is looking like Tawny Katane from the White Snake video. So that's all I'm seeing here with her hairstyle and her facial structures. But yeah, so much heaven and hell. And we're not done yet because now you're finally going to get the scoop, dear, on Lady Death. Wow. Her alias alter ego is Hope. Her first appearance was Evil Ernie, number one. Please refrain from turning the pages Sorry. while we are recording. Um, I was just thinking how prominent her nipples are, actually. <laughs> yes, yes. It's very cold in hell. That's actually a song by the Misfits on their The Devil's Rain album. It's cold in hell. It's a terrible Jerry Only Misfits song. Anyway, Lady Death, alias Alter Ego Hope. First appearance, Evil Ernie, number one. Powers and abilities. Lady Death is an immensely powerful natural sorceress and a savage self-trained warrior who can manifest her sword, Darkness, at will. Origin. Child of a father descended from hell and a mother descended from heaven, Hope found herself with no other choice but to renounce her humanity and enter hell due to her father's scheming. Once in hell, she found herself as a pawn in Lucifer's grand manipulation. Ultimately, she defeated Lucifer for control of hell. What's her deal? Having been cursed to never walk the earth until the living are no more, Lady Death is man's worst nightmare in the form of his sweetest dream. The diva of death has recently found herself in the realm of the unknown facing an uncertain future. So just to expand on that real quick, she can't go back to Earth until everyone is dead. So she has this guy, Evil Ernie. She basically gave him the power to kill everybody on Earth with the mega death. She basically is waiting for him to finish so that she can come to Earth. But of course, she finds ways to come back to Earth anyway. And she teams up and does a bunch of crossovers. But yeah, Lady Death was like probably the most prominent bad girl that everybody said, but her comics are actually good. Tell me about Lady Death, dear. What's well, the other thoughts? thing that I appreciate is she looks very non-human. Yeah, so you're okay with that if she well, seems to be a demon? With You mean with her outfit choice? Yeah. No, but... But it's more interesting. It's more interesting. So it's interesting to me that there is another character here from uh, a group called Techno Comics. T-E-K-N-O-C-O-M-I-X. Techno Comics. This is another character created by Neil Gaiman. So, so far he had Angela. Now he has... Lady Justice. I'm just, I'm looking at her costume. I'm just wondering how it holds up those boobs. Thinking maybe I could get one of those. <laughs> one of her support systems. Anyway, alias, as the supernatural embodiment of justice, Lady Justice can possess any woman, anytime, anywhere. Hmm. 
Yeah. Maybe I'm Lady Justice. You could be. You might be. You better watch out. I know. I was going to say, if I see you with a blindfold on, I'll run the other way. Uh, First appearance, Neil Gaiman's Wheel of Worlds, number zero. How do you have a number zero? Zero issues were very popular at this time. They are used to basically set up a world or like tell an origin that hasn't been told yet. And so it was so a it's almost like a prequel. Kind of like a prequel. Usually that was how they were used. And it was always like, you know, rare or special order. You had to do something to earn a zero issue. I so see. marketing tools. So people would care about it. Yeah. I see. Powers and abilities. When Lady Justice possesses ordinary women, she supernaturally augments their strength, speed, and stamina, perhaps their bosoms. <laughs> she can also enhance any natural or latent talent or power they may already have. Origin unknown, presumably in existence since the beginning of time. What's her deal? When the weak have been trampled on, when there appears to be no recourse or retribution, Lady Justice acts inappropriate comma, taking a personal <laughs> hand to see that the scales of justice are set back into balance. The woman she possesses determine the method, but if Lady Justice has to step in, expect things to get bloody. Absolutely no one escapes justice. Yeah. So isn't that kind of cool? So when women are wronged, then she gives them the power to go and get vengeance and justice. Well, it doesn't say just women well it says she possesses any woman anytime anywhere it doesn't say any but it person says when the weak have been trampled on it th- doesn't say when women have been trampled on are you saying that may be a sexist, a sexist uh, thought? interpretation that yes. totally is but but i believe based on lady justice all the things that they have said in motion here that was the intention <laughs> but sticking with the ladies lady death lady justice now Lady Rawhide, what's the first thing you notice in Um, her costume design? She's got the lapels. There you go. More lapels. Lapels with a corseted front. Yes. So At least uh, that corset will provide some support for her top half. Her alias alter ego is Anita Santiago. First appearance, Zorro number three. Powers and abilities. Lady Rawhide is skilled in all forms of horsemanship and very proficient with a bullwhip, a sword, or anything else she can wrap her hands around. That's well and good, but she's riding a horse in a thong. As someone who's ridden a horse, I just don't think that would be a good idea. Yes, and I will tell you, so I've read her appearances in the Zorro comics, and specifically her thing is she was raised as like this proper Mexican lady and forced to ride side saddle. And she hated it. She thought it was wrong. She should be able to ride a horse like the men ride a horse. And that's her big feminist statement is I ride a horse like a man rides a horse. And so there's no side saddle for her, but no pants. But no pants. But in a thong. People make bad life choices. Anita became Lady Rawhide to avenge the death of her brother, Ramon Santiago, who was mistaken for Zorro, tortured and gunned down by Captain Monasterio. She has found an attraction to the adventure and continues in the role she has created. What's her deal? She's sexually scandalous in a time period with strict gender roles and a woman with a whip who knows how and when to use it. But that doesn't strip her of humanity and compassion. A woman with a sense of humor about life and human frailty, her smile will instead snare you as quickly as her bullwhip. So there you go. I always hoped that there had been a third Zora movie that they would have introduced Lady Rawhide. Probably in a different costume, but like Catherine Zeta-Jones could have become a cool Lady Rawhide, mm. I thought, if they had, you know. They had gone that direction. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. She would have been great. All right. But go, speaking of going in a different direction, this next character, I don't know what to think. Passion. Hmm. What do you think of this design here? I mean, it's very interesting 
and fluid. Is she made out of water? Like, what's the deal? Let's read on. No other alias. First appearance, Vengeance of Vampirella, number 12. Powers, abilities. Passion, silvery, ectoplasmic form can be manipulated in many ways, including forming and projecting weapons such as knives, sabers, and shuriken. You got it. But now, what what, uh, movie character does she remind you of? Very prominent in the 90s. Faced off against Arnold Schwarzenegger. You don't even know. You didn't see T2 Judgment Day. No, I don't know what that is. The T-1000. Have you ever seen that, like, the metallic character in the Terminator movie and he could, like, morph into anything? Yeah. So, 100%, they're just, like, saying, T-1000 as a woman. Hmm. All right, go for it. Passion is a tulpa? Is that the thing? Okay. A magically created life form animated by emotion. Originally created by Leona... Benway to exact revenge against a band of marauding werewolves, Passion has since struck off on her own. What's her deal? When Vampirella encountered Passion, powerful hate had warped the Silver Woman's judgment, creating an instrument of wanton, vigilante vengeance. Learning that her rage had caused Passion to take the life of an innocent, Leona gave up her life force to permanently animate Passion. She must now continue on a mission to avenge the innocent, while attempting to discover what it means to be human. Do you go in more for a more fantastical bad girl? Like she could be naked and silvery because she's just animated out of passion? Well, I mean, in general, clothing is a societal construct, right? We wear what's appropriate for our society. So since it's someone outside of the society, I think it makes more sense than to just dress women who have super abilities as hookers and send them off to do good or bad. Like, that doesn't even make sense to me at all. They should be dressed appropriately for the task. She's not human. She's not even, you know, alive. She is ectoplasmic form. (laughs) So that makes sense to me. Also, she does not even have prominent nipples. So (laughs) I think they're just shiny. You see, you see the spark <laughs> off there? <laughs> yes, but I mean, at least that makes sense. Mm-hmm. In her world. In, in her, her world, yeah. yeah. Not that I'm condoning people running around naked. However, <laughs> well, it's, clothing, just not, it's not practical society. here. It's, exactly. That's all. Because she's not going to be hurt. Now, next up here is a character named Razor, who has appeared in half-page ads in Wizard, and I once quickly checked out one of the comics that were scanned online of this character and said, nope, (laughs) this is uh, straight what you expect all bad girl comics to be, and it's not good, but let's read about it here. Her alias alter ego, Nicole Mitchell, first appearance, Razor number zero, powers and abilities, an empath with above average reflexes and fighting skills. So she's like Serena Williams. Hey, there you go. Sorry, continue. Origin. After witnessing her father's murder and her sister's kidnapping at the hands of a crime lord, Nicole spent years at a mental institution vowing revenge on Roman von Drake, the man who killed her father and ruined her life. What's her deal? As Razor started dismantling von Drake's crime empire, he sent his most feared assassin, Strike, after her. Strike was revealed to be a Razor's sister who had been kidnapped and brainwashed by von Drake 
15 years earlier. In a bloody battle to the finish, Strike killed Razor. Now, through supernatural means, Razor has returned from the dead to settle the score. <laughs> so, next up here, we have finally arrived at one of our cover characters, She. And we have actually talked to the creator of She, Mr. Billy Tucci, who uh, was very enthusiastic about our particular podcast. Very nice guy. Uh, but he had some interesting thoughts about the creation of She that he shared with us and why he thinks that she has remained popular. So go ahead and tell us what you're learning here, dear, about she. Alias Anna Ishikawa. First appearance, Razor Annual number one. Powers, abilities. The warrior she is one with her sword and a formidable master of many forms of martial arts and Japanese strategies of war. Her combination of innumerable skills and impressive strength is powerful and deadly. So she's like Mulan. Origin. She is wrapped in an extensive history almost as old as Japan. An outcast of the long-lived Sohi warriors who are renegades themselves. This heroine fights for her honor, her life, and the lives of innocents. What's her deal? She's enemies abound, including the nefarious Arashi and the Nara warriors, led by her sister Tomoe. Um, she often scrawls the word she, the symbol for death, on the wall by her victims. Anna, who works as an art gallery curator, is actually a sensitive woman who harbors romantic feelings for NYPD detective Peter Denise and hates to see innocents die. Sadness for the families of her victims has recently pervaded her mind and may become a fatal distraction. So what do you think of this design? I mean, I think it's interesting. I like this. You like her red top with polka dots, basically? I do. Gets you excited. That's I your do. style. I do like the polka dots. <laughs> but I like, I think the art style is interesting also with the, I mean, she almost has a geisha-like makeup done. So this piece that you're looking at is actually, he was aping the style of this artist, Patrick Nagel, that I have a print of here in my office. So th mm -hmm. that was what he was doing when he did that particular drawing. That's not how she always looked in the comics. But. Mm. Yeah, but once again, I just can't get on board with the bottom half of her. Thongs for action. You have full mobility to kick evil in the face. Then why does not Superman wear a thong? Well, he wears underwear outside his pants. <laughs> but once again, pants, pants. All right. Well, next up here, finally, we have also gotten to Vampirella. I know you've had curiosity. You've been wondering, who is Vampirella? Yeah, since she appears to show up a lot with her lapels. Yeah, she is the originator of the lapel and not much more look. Mm -hmm. So her first appearance, Black and White Vampirella Magazine, number one. And in color, Vampirella, number one from Harris Comics. Powers and abilities. While not a true vampire, Vampirella does need to feed on blood to live and can transform. Oh. Yeah. So not a true vampire? How is that not a true vampire? Well, in the original stories, she was an alien from the planet oh. Draculon. Oh. And so she came to Earth and uh, they just, that was their water there was blood. So, you know, that was the equivalent she could find on Earth. Huh. Anyway, uh, she needs to feed on blood to live and can transform herself into a bat or a transitional form halfway between bat and human. Now, what does that look like? I have actually never seen that look. I should double check. I have a few Vampirella comics simply for reference, dear. Uh-huh. And, uh, <laughs> and I've never seen that occur, so I'll have to take a look. Uh, it's probably because it wouldn't be attractive. Yeah, maybe. Well, she is not, however, affected by sunlight. Endowed with many supernatural abilities, she's also extraordinarily strong and fast. Origin? Down 
doubting the truth of her extraterrestrial origins, Vampirella has recently discovered that she is the final creation of the elemental Lilith, mother of monsters. She was born to atone for the evil that Lilith had released upon the world. What's her deal? Fully aware of her destiny, Vampirella now must deal with the weight of the responsibility Lilith has bestowed upon her. Fortunately, she has many friends to aid in her struggle against the evil creatures of the night. So where does she get this blood? Uh, she just around. <laughs> suck it from people like a vampire? Or? I'm going to assume like when she's fighting bad guys, they she attack just, her. She just has a little drink. Just have a drink while you're you know, in the middle of your battle. You might as well. Just a little snack. Sneaky snack. Nice. This next character has actually appeared in several X-Men films. Probably the worst character in one of them and a forgettable character in the other. So who knows but, if she'll be back. What what movie is that? I'm going to need you to describe in detail so I can do remember. You, do you remember the film about. X-Men First Class? With no. Was there a submarine Yes, correct. In her scene. Okay. So, well, so yeah, so she was the woman all in white who like seduces the Russian oh, is that what general she guy. Oh, yeah. But she really wasn't. Forgettable. Doing X-Men forgettable. <laughs> no. I'm going to offend all your listeners. That's, that's, that's like... one of the best X-Men movies. But she was also a character in X-Men Origins Wolverine who was in it for like five seconds oh, and was totally off character off model off everything so Hmm. but tell us about this i don't know if you want me to it's getting later and i'm getting crankier (laughs) more surly yes i'm your surly wife that's correct how does he live with me people i don't know (laughs) alias emma frost first appearance uncanny x-men 129 powers slash abilities a mutant by birth emma is one of the most powerful telepaths on the planet with a thought she can sedate project Psionic force bolts. Don't they teach you this in medical school? Psionic force Gotta watch out while you're in, doing an exam on somebody. Can, can you uh, can you define that for me? What's a psionic force bolt? Uh, it's basically like, it'll really hurt your brain. Be like, oops, gotcha. Zap ya. Okay. I'm going to have to ask Google about that later. <laughs> or read minds. While with a touch, she can cause excruciating mental pain. I see much like these comics do. Oh, come on. Origin unrevealed. What's her deal? As the headmistress of the Massachusetts Academy, where she taught a group of young mutants known as the Hellions and member of the Hellfire Club's inner circle, Emma Frost battled the X-Men and New Mutants on more than one occasion. As both anti-mutant sentiment and mutant versus mutant violence increased, Emma realized the advantages of a truce with Charles Xavier and the X-Men. Recently, Emma and Sean Cassidy, otherwise known as Banjo, you're just going to read these all yourself again later, aren't you? No, I have to have you on here. have become leaders of the newest mutant in training group, Generation X. Once again, in the role of teacher, Emma instructs her charges on how to live with their mutant abilities. Now, this is something that, you know, costume-wise, whatever, I, you, you know my thoughts. But if she's one of the most powerful telepaths on the planet, yeah. what is she doing being the headmistress of some blame school? Well, her idea, it's, just, its I mean, Charles Xavier is the most powerful telepath on the planet. Also. But the point is, they want to use their powers not to just, like, control everybody or for their own gain. They feel that if they could train young mutants how to use their powers, they will be protected. They will be able to do, uh-huh. you know, so they're trying to do good with their... And so their, it's altruistic. Yeah, ultimately. On some level. I mean, she Hmm. didn't start out that way. She Mm -hmm. had other designs, and then, yeah, she feels in her best interest, as it said I would be using some of those psionic force bolts (laughs) right now. So, 
The White Queen. Why is she called the White Queen? Because she was part of this group called the Hellfire Club, and they were like kind of chess-themed people in there. So it was the White oh, Queen, and then this one character from X-Men, Jean Grey, became the Black Queen. She was brainwashed, hypnotized, right, and Because then stuff. I'm seeing Emma Frost. I'm wondering if there's something wintry, but those are not her powers at all. No, it's not winter-based. She's Showing she's my not- ignorance, everyone. <laughs> Showing my comic book ignorance. Yeah, she's not the female Iceman. Although... She did have a relationship with Bobby Drake Iceman in the comics. So there you go. All right. Next up here is Witchblade, who has come up recently in our episodes, becomes very, very popular. So I'm curious to get your take on this. Yes. So I'll tell you all about this. So alias alter ego Sarah Pizzini. First appearance, Cyblade She, number one. Yes. Cyblade and She teamed up in a comic. You've heard Hmm. about both of them. Yeah. And then she appeared in there. So powers, abilities as possessor of the Witchblade Gauntlet, Sarah can harness its incredible mystical powers, allowing her to defeat the strongest adversaries. Origin, as a New York homicide detective, Sarah found herself in a deadly game of chance, where the prize was possession of a strange gauntlet. Due to unforeseeable circumstances, Sarah put on the gauntlet, changing her life forever. What's her deal? As a newcomer in the realm of super beings, Sarah is quickly learning and adapting to her new power. As the gauntlet and Sarah get used to each other, the gauntlet's powers are growing even stronger. However, Sarah has recently discovered the price of possessing the gauntlet. It has an agenda of its own that Sarah may not agree with. So, first of all, what do you think of the art style? Because this artist, his name is Michael Turner, was a very, very popular artist in the 90s for specifically drawing beautiful women. Mm -hmm. But what do you think of this portrayal of beautiful women? I mean, I wouldn't necessarily think of her as being beautiful. Sexy, for sure, with that that outfit. And what's your take on the outfit, then? I mean, she's just, she's very fierce looking. Yeah, for sure. Outfit looks... I I don't understand what's going on here. I think that's <laughs> that's the bottom line. So there's like these things coming up that are cords? Like, what is that? That's, well, it, it's kind of like you, you would, you would almost think about Because she's like it. a cyber or something, like coming up and covering her. Like, think about like, you know, the Venom symbiote, you know, so yeah. like the black costume. It's kind of like that, but in like, you know, more of like an armored kind of metallic stuff that grows around her and kind of forms... But only in, in certain places. Yeah. Leaving her bosoms, her her midriff, and her shapely legs exposed. Yeah, it's not explained why that would be the case, why it wouldn't be full armor, but would it surprise you to know that this character actually got her own television series? I would not be surprised at all. Did not look anything like this, though. It was just a female cop, you know, who wore, like, leather jacket, wore jeans, but had the glove. Mm -hmm. So that was how they interpreted it for the small screen. Uh But yes, a very popular character, Witchblade. One of the better written bad girl comics, I would mm. say, that I've read. Like, the dialogue's really great, the story's really interesting, so... Yeah, I'd just be... Because this, does this look like it's transitional, like... Because that would be that would be more interesting to me if it continued to cover her more fully uh-huh. instead of leaving her no, so No, that, that's exposed. generally how much she's covered. Well, then that's stupid, and I don't <laughs> like it. All right, next up here... Hey, she's got pants on. It's our old friend Wonder Woman. Yes. This is Diana, Princess of Themyscira. First with appearance, All-Star Comics, number eight. Powers and abilities gifted with the powers of the gods. Wonder Woman is one of the strongest beings on the planet. She's also invulnerable, highly intelligent, amazingly fast, and can fly. Plus, she has hard-hitting tiara, bullet-deflecting bracelets, and a lasso that forces someone it ties up to tell the truth. So if she's invulnerable, why does she need her bullet-deflecting bracelets? 
Uh, you know, just uh, it's annoying to keep getting hit by stuff. Think you, you know, just imagine you're constantly getting pelted by, you know, the balls from a ball pit. You know, that's just like, it doesn't hurt, but it's annoying. Origin. A statue of clay brought to life by the goddess Aphrodite, Diana was a gift to Hippolyta, queen of Themyscira. Years later, a pilot crashed on Themyscira, and Hippolyta decided that an Amazon should accompany him back to Patriarch's world. A mystically masked Diana who won the contest that decided who would journey to man's world. Diana left Themyscira to bring the peace and wisdom of the Amazons to the world of man. What's her deal? Throughout her tenure in Patriarch's world, Wonder Woman has always stood for what is noble and just. Originally based in Boston, where she once wore a different, more bad girl-ish outfit, she has recently relocated to Gateway City, where she continues her mission as champion of Patriarch's world. So this is what they considered the more bad girl outfit. So for a time, she lost the title of Wonder Woman hmm. to a different Amazon who took over as Wonder Woman and got Let's to see. wear the costume. So this was her era where she was just at Diana Prince. Mm. But just what wearing you- some spandex pants yep. with double buckles. <laughs> <laughs> to hold up her spandex. What do you think of her kicky jacket? I think it's typical of the era, don't you? Yeah, this is pretty cool. What about her strappy top? Well... Strappy sports bra. Strappy sports bra, that's what it looks like. <laughs> I don't feel like that would add much support, but maybe she doesn't need it. She's invulnerable. And she's made of clay, technically. She's clay that was brought to life. So she's probably fine. <laughs> probably fine. But compared to her normal outfit, how do you like this one? Mm, more practical probably because it it has pants i mean (laughs) little booty shorts but booty covering nonetheless but it's sexier for sure than her traditional outfit which technically covers less interesting just because it's black it's sexier i think it's because she's got a midriff i think it's the cutouts and and the buckles and you know like strappiness What, what the straps accentuate okay maybe so all right. Well, we only have about 20 more characters to go. So, Are you really going to read all of this about all these characters? Maybe <laughs> no. we can just skip. So, yeah, so so that that is the end of the main run of characters that they were highlighting. Like the big name, what they're calling bad girls. How Wonder Woman ended up on the list is actually kind of shocking. But what they do here now is they have a bunch of half-page explanations for various characters from comics. Like, for example, there's the Asp, who is a character from Bizarre Heroes. So I guess she faces off against Megaton Man. I don't know about the Asp. There's Bast Abadidia from A Distant Soil, which was a comic that was written by a woman and it was very popular. Mm. You know, so that's I'm loving this outfit. This you do like the headdress. It? Well, this is very Egyptian. Traditional Egyptian. Yeah. That's what I would think, yeah. Black cat who is Felicia Hardy. And so she is basically like the Marvel Catwoman here. Mm-hmm. And she was, uh, you know... That in, is what it appears. In a relationship with Spider-Man for a while and all sorts of stuff. Cherry Pop-Tart. Yeah, oh. So you don't want to know about Cherry Pop-Tart, dear. Cassandra, next from Poison Elves. Shout out to Sean Robert, our number one Poison Elves fan. You know all about her, Sean. We don't need to tell you. Next, though, as Kristen just discovered here, Cherry Pop-Tart. 
I'm just going to read this You can't handle the truth. Yeah. That's her power. What's her deal? America's sexiest girl next door. Men and women find her irresistible. The alternately naive and perceptive Cherry often finds adventure and excitement in her own backyard. Sometimes, literally. But she also travels through time and space with the help of her friend LED, the brilliant computer hacker. Yeah, so Cherry Pop-Tart are just cartoon sex comics. Yeah, well, that is what it appears to be. That's just all it is. Even though here she's dressed like some weird, like, pagan god goddess or something. I don't know what's going on. She traveled through time, obviously. There you go. Cinder is from cinder comics uh-huh. <laughs> again she basically just looks like helena's cousin it's basically a very similar outfit here hmm. uh, so if you were reading cinder you know uh next over here though is devil girl a very famous character drawn by r crumb robert crumb was a guy who had very specific fetish for a very specific body type and so he would draw women with very thick thighs and very different not model-esque proportions so in a way he was a proposed of a different body style but way to go man domino one and two another rob liefeld creation that he's very proud of she was a character that was featured in deadpool 2 in a very different look but a very fun uh, portrayal in that next over here is dorothy from the wizard of oz by l frank bob but this is apparently dorothy as part of a an oz crime-based comic so well that's interesting yeah i mean because it was that in the sounds pu- like something i would like i think you would it's in the public domain and so uh, you could just do whatever you want with it next page though maybe not something you'd be interested in double impact china and jazz uh i just want to read this real quick here china and jazz both grew up involved with elite mercenary trading groups and military academies rising quickly to the top of their respective classes china and jazz ultimately ended up working for the organization known as ici inside central intelligence their ici superiors quickly realized that china and jazz were a natural team and made them partners creating double impact this just feels like this was a 90s movie like direct to cable you know on cinemax film they wanted to make and it just never happened like this was the script got turned into a comic book because yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> just wild leather everywhere big guns mm. all right but do you know this next character dear i sure do who is it elvira what do you think of elvira uh i watched the movie yep did you like it it's okay she's fun she's fun yeah she's great she's been in comics for a long time yeah they mentioned her first appearance was elvira's house of mystery but at this time she had her own series as well so she's always entertaining Mm -hmm. next one here fatal we have actually covered on the podcast from the broadway comics line so she's pretty cool in terms of her character powers and she can absorb people's abilities and information but also their strength they really tried to promote this character as being like yeah this ultimate like you know feminist icon she's a real woman and then there'd be like scenes of her getting spanked for some reason in the comic you're like can you emasculate a woman what's it called when you emasculate a woman i don't know but i was just like you guys are telling us one thing and showing us another so i i I was not on board with that no next here though is foxfire as part of the phoenix resurrection genesis storyline in the marvel bot malibu comic what do you think of this foxfire design because this is an image i've seen before i'm just like that tank top (laughs) not doing its job and i'm looking at her Her pants that she's like (laughs) she's ripped them her zipper is undone (laughs) just look like she didn't have time to get dressed yeah and i'm but i just want to comment on this and i think this is a problem with most of this comic book art is just 
when you have bosoms of a certain size, you have to have support. And it's just, it's like ridiculous. At least they almost are acknowledging that in this. Like if she just had a tank top, they'd be all over the place. And they look all over the place. (laughs) So there you go. There are a lot of characters in here I've never heard of, so I can't speak to. You know, Mm -hmm. we're seeing Francesca and Harry Carey and Kabuki and those these types of characters I'm not familiar with their comics. But there is one group here, the Gen 13 girls, as they mentioned, Fairchild, Freefall, and Rainmaker, who you must be familiar with. You come in my office, you heard me mention them, you've seen more than you wanted to see when I got my Gen 13 variant covers portfolio, made me take a down so that is correct but generally speaking as we've seen the other characters represented here because gen 13 i said i didn't buy bad girl comics but gen 13 wasn't bad girl comics it was superhero comics and these were the heroic characters they weren't anti-heroes they weren't Mm -hmm. so what do you think about their overall look and design that compared to what you've seen in the other comics i mean these look like teenagers yes so a much younger overall aesthetic both Facially and with what they're wearing. This gal, I don't know which, which one's Her this. name is Freefall. Roxy. Freefall. It's just like she's just hanging out and maybe talking on the phone to some of her, you know, friends. And this one's going, ooh. <laughs> like, for real, this one's like, look at this. Will you look at me if I do this? Mm. <laughs> like, it's very posy, so it's yeah. hard to, to tell. Because I have not seen any action yeah. scenes with them. I've only seen things that are posed in a homage to a rolling stone cover with janet jackson yes uh-huh. but but yeah so um but there are a lot of other characters that show up here as well yeah oh. and i just want to point out in um this picture of harry carey yeah this is what happens when your bosoms go unsupported look at that <laughs> then to drop super low they're practically on our waist yep this is what all of these girls are going to look like in 10 years guys not attractive <laughs> So one interesting character I want to bring up to you, dear, is this character of Mantra. So Mantra, it says here, the origin. The original Mantra was Eden Blake, yet she was also Lukage, a male warrior over 15 centuries old. Lukage's soul inhabited Eden's female body as he learned the ways of sorcery to combat his enemies. Oh, and look, it's a male possessing a female, and look how she's dressed! Collar all the way up! It's like she's wearing a mock turtleneck. So that is the new mantra. The original mantra had, like, a big gold chest plate, like, bathing suit thing. Oh. So that was the look with a cape and stuff. But but either way, like, what do you think of that concept of a man who has to learn what it's like to live in the body of a woman? Fair. Yeah? <laughs> should we all go through that for a day? For a week? For a month? Yeah. So that's a really interesting character I always that stood out to me in the world of, you know, what you might call bad girls. Or it was like, well, you had to read it to really understand what the story was trying to teach you and say. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you recognize Mystique from the X-Men films. Uh, yes. Yeah. Bunch of characters, again, I've never heard of. Nira X and Panther. Martha Washington. Yeah, you want to read about Martha Washington? Uh, Martha has no superhuman abilities unless you count her finely honed sense of justice, her indomitable will, and her steely determination. Yep, she's actually... I like that. She's another character created by Frank Miller. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, she was a very big kind of like, you know, female empowerment type icon. I remember seeing her comics quite a bit in comic stores so yeah she became a warrior to fight her way out of the drug poisoned cesspool of the inner city her fight became the nation's fight 
Something like that. That could be like any woman, you know? Empowering the masses. There you go. Martha Washington. I'm She's all about your that. She's gal. All right. Like, this is interesting. What's this? Poison with a Z? What do you want to know about poison? She comes from a future where life means little and demons are becoming one with man. A product of an unholy union between a demon and a holy woman. I see. <laughs> The only problem is Razor was killed by her sister, Strike. I see. So it's all that same universe oh, as the, the other Razor people. Oh, part of the Razor universe. Yeah. Because okay. she brought Razor back from the dead. Oh. Mm, I see. It's all connected, folks. It's all connected. The bad girls universe. <laughs> what do you think of the leotard look that is prominent as well? I don't know. I mean, it just, it feels very 80s. Yeah. Everybody's wearing leotards in the 80s. And this look, this look was originated in the 80s for Psylocke, so. Yeah, the so, super high, like, you could turn on any aerobic show and that's what the girls were wearing with little spandex pants underneath. Yeah. Well, and you heard about Psyblade earlier, you might recall. Mm-hmm. So let's take a look at Psylocke's powers and abilities. Oh, and, and also thinking of the White Queen of Emma Frost, Psylocke possesses a wide range of tele telepathic abilities including a psychic knife which can be used to stun adversaries so there you go dear you got the psychic knife another name Great. for that same mind bolt that's gonna get you mark silvestri was an x-men artist and he was drawing psylocke and then he went over and created his own comic book with his own company and cyblade is basically just psylocke and even the name sounds the same even it's pretty terrible yeah he just stole it uh purgatory down below is an adversary of lady death she's just more demonic clearly yeah huh <laughs> the skeleton hands are just clutching at these shimmery bandages that she's covered with i don't understand that yeah it's it's kind of weird that's not what i would envision a demon to wear all right on this next page here we have some interesting characters because there is susudio okay mm-hmm. or susido i always call oh is it not susudio maybe they don't want to get sued by phil collins but she's from scud the disposable assassin comic a robot assassin that you could buy from a vending machine in this mm-hmm. reality basically she's a female assassin that he falls in love with she has cool guns that are in the heels of her boots mm-hmm. she can kick you but also shoot you at the same time what's her deal Susudio is a chauvinist with no regard for life she always gets the job done aided by an arsenal of killing tools she's also the first person to awaken the very male portion of scud 1373's synaptically downloaded programming and they do end up together in the end which is funny that this is that robot love basically i mean he's he's more human than any man i don't know but the other one here is tank girl who also got her own movie in the 90s tank girl tank girl i heard taint girl <laughs> <laughs> i don't doubt there might have been a parody comic of taint girl tank. Uh, tank girl yes just yeah be yeah. clear on that mm-hmm so there's nothing superhuman except for her expertise with heavy artillery and her copious capacity for smoking, drinking, and other vices and excesses. I love her face. Yeah, you like the band-aid, the shaved head look. Well, I just, I love her expression because it's, it's not meant to be fierce or sexy or yeah. anything. It's just like, Whoa! <laughs> it's like a scooby-doo face yeah she's very it. comic booky that's definitely love her it. look yeah so what's her deal self-gratification pure and simple tank girl's a hero for slackers everywhere following the beat of her own drum wherever it leads her 
Now, I gotta ask you about bottom. Yes, you just got an expression on your face. Who are you? Who's this purple dressed gal got your attention? Uh, Vogue. Vogue is a Rob Liefeld creation. And there's no way she's a world class gymnast. <laughs> I, I believe that these these people, these artists, have no touch with reality whatsoever. <laughs> well, I would definitely put off her center of gravity and balance and everything. But th- these breasts, as drawn in this angle, guys, this is bigger than cap boobs. This is bigger than Lady Death. This is they're just... bigger than her head. Yeah, I mean, like I way bigger. There you go. You have seen the world of '90s bad girls. Which of these characters were you not offended by that you think that you would actually want to? read one of their adventures i'm I'm gonna be honest with you i'm not really interested in pretty much any of them um maybe the grandma one that's what i was gonna say bone we gotta get you some bone comics to read but here here's the other thing i'm gonna be so unpopular with your listeners but i just do not care for graphic novels in general it's just a hard for you to follow visually correct you love to read i love i do enjoy reading but sensory overload for you when you're looking at comic books Yes. I prefer to paint the pictures with my mind. <laughs> I mean, this one seems interesting. There were some other that had um, interesting concepts. Lady Justice? Hmm, probably not. I mean, I'm more interested in things that are maybe not from the superhero fighting evilness. You want Cherry Pop-Tart. <laughs> Pretty sure I do not. So let me ask you this, then, my darling wife. Yeah. As you have seen what was being professed as the idealized woman in illustrated form in the 90s, what is your greatest takeaway and what is your interpretation of the audience for this? Is there is there a that theme? That seems like a loaded question. To me. <laughs> well, I'm saying, but like as you look at it, like what is the message that you feel it is sending? What's the running thing it looked like most guys wanted in women in the 90s, according to these comics? Boobs and butts. That's <laughs> that's what was on display. Well, they all, almost without exception. I mean, obviously there were a couple in there. They all followed the same body type, the same standard. They all had long hair. They all had large breasts, long legs, narrow little waists. And so it was very one note, I feel Yeah, it's kind of boring, right? And honestly, I couldn't tell those people apart. Like they all pretty much all looked mostly the same. Changed their their outfit a little bit. Changed the hair color. And it's a different different person. Yeah. Yeah. So not, not super impressive in that way. I don't know if in the 90s, especially the comics that men had much difference you're saying in the way they're in the, portrayed in the male body type yeah. or just yeah i mean ba- basically the designs were you wanted to have as big a muscles as possible as big a guns as possible mm-hmm. and your mouth was always going ah like that right. was that was the look it was all like schwarzenegger on steroids so just like beyond schwarzenegger right like that yeah. was that was the model that we were following uh for the the action hero type so yeah so it's definitely like again like we kind of started saying like either way it was like the extreme objectification of men and women Mm -hmm. but because it was a male audience there was a sexualized nature to the women characters which was not in the men like they weren't being presented with that in loincloths so i mean the only way that you could compare it and be like oh it's the same thing which is not exactly what you're saying yeah it's not but yeah so if you were running around guys shirtless and 
whatnot, then maybe I would agree, but but I did not. But also, I think it goes without saying that, generally speaking, for women that are attracted to men, they're not just looking at the physique. Correct. That's not the main thing they're interested in, whereas for men, probably the first thing they notice is the looks. Mm -hmm. Men tend to be very visual. Well, and something else that I think is interesting, maybe that this has changed over time culturally women have been getting thinner and thinner and thinner through you know the 90s um i mean jennifer aniston from friends is a great example when she started friends she was about a size eight and then by the end she's a size zero and there's this trending of women to be thinner and thinner and thinner when you are thinner 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 you don't have large breasts unless they've been augmented. You don't have booties because you're so thin. And so that is what the standard of beauty currently is, is for women to just be as thin as possible. But that is not what's depicted in the comic books of the 90s, especially. But they're depicted all having very thin, slim waists. Yeah, but the rest of the body is very filled out. Yes. Yeah. Which doesn't match with how people are. It's not a realistic portrayal either way. And ultimately, you know, it's all fantasy. It's all, you know, not meant to be realistic, so mm-hmm. to speak. But then, yeah, is that... A male fantasy. Yeah, a male fantasy. Heterosexual male fantasy. Uh, there you go. Yeah, so so that that's the look of it all. But anyway, it's just, I thank you so much for I have, I'm like, all. I have more to say. <laughs> I'm sure you do. I'm sure you could do a whole <laughs> essay on it and people could look for it. You'll, yeah. Maybe you, it inspired you to draw your own comic and uh, you'll put everything not, down in the- not an artist not, not an artist <laughs> but i'm pleased to see and it's mostly when i'm talking to other people not my husband because he's very 80s 90 comics specific but there are other comic books that are kind of changing that visual stereotype that i've been introduced to by other friends that are women that are women such as starfire's daughter so here's my thought this is my my soapbox like i'd mentioned before which you probably will edit out or maybe you won't i don't clothing is a societal construct you know you wear what's appropriate for your society the people in africa who don't wear clothes or wear very minimal clothing like loincloths that sort of thing not inappropriate not offensive it's appropriate for their culture i think my issue really with a lot of the depictions of women is that the costuming is so outside of what would be appropriate for not only culturally but for the things that they are doing i just want to point out all these women wearing high-heeled boots running around the city fighting crime or causing problems as the case may be clearly these were all drawn by people who have never worn high heels of any sort and then add that to the problem of wearing thong leotards not being able to sit down in public because who knows what's on that park bench and whatnot the, the world is so filthy people I mean, to be fair how how much sitting do you think these super women are doing well if you're running around in high-heeled boots you're gonna want to sit down every chance you get take those boots off what it should be showing is all the women rubbing their feet after a hard day of wearing these high-heeled boots <laughs> so if you're gonna wear a leotard fine i mean that kind of makes sense you know you're doing gymnastics-y things all right wearing little straps that just cover your nipples that doesn't make any sense to me (laughs) 
It should be functional. That's what I find hilarious about this. Just overall, it's not practical. It's not practical. Why are you being stupid, ladies, if you're going to go out there and <laughs> yes. fight crime? Why are you wearing a thong? You got to suit up. <laughs> exactly. That's awesome. Exactly. Yeah. That's my ma- major complaint. Well, if they were wearing no clothes, I would probably be less offended than, wow. than what they're wearing. Well, so here's, here's the final question. You know, there's probably a concern when we started out here. Would this lead to the end of the podcast? When you saw what was in Wizard Magazine, what was being promoted, can Wizards the Podcast Guide to Comics continue? I don't believe it's the content that's the problem. (laughs) It is the time spent on the show. It is the copious amounts of time. I'm a passionate man. This is a passionate business driven by passionate fans. I hope the five people who are listening to this enjoyed it greatly. I'll show you our social media numbers. You will know that the Wizards <laughs> universe is vast. Well, now that you, if you air this conversation with me, they'll be like, yeah. We gotta maybe. break it up every once in a while, guys. Give you something to chew on. So yeah, this is a very interesting, interesting conversation. Dr. Kristen, thank you for joining us. Is there any way where people can find you online no (laughs) leave her alone guys she's not interested (laughs) but if you need some cataract surgery This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.